Imagine a tomorrow powered by innovation, bringing the world together through real conversations about world-changing ideas, expert discussions with no boundaries. Coming up... Once you give robots eyes, they need to process what they're seeing. 5G is critical because we need this latency, um, critical speed of 5G that we can offload or transmit information between the autonomous mobile robots and the edge cloud. And for all types of computational things like mapping, object detection, image segmentation. This is the Real Conversations podcast by Nokia. Here is Michael Hainsworth. In a lab in Munich, autonomous mobile robots are being given the gift of sight. This will help them see their surroundings and understand their locations, much like humans do. Sebastian Ager is the chair of media technology at the School of Computation, Information and Technology at the Technical University of Munich. He tells me he's trying to solve the problem of GPS not working indoors and radio-based positioning not being precise enough in busy and crowded locations from factory floors and office buildings to the outside world at large. Yeah, that's right. So my PhD studies are concerning the problem that GPS signals are not available in indoor or city areas. To solve this problem, that we want to have a very precise um, localization estimation, we want to use cameras. Yeah. So you're finding that a camera is enough to give an autonomous mobile robot the gift of sight? That's true, yes. So cameras give us an enormous amount of information about the environment. They are very relatively cheap. Normally, um, autonomous mobile robots have more than one camera on board. So we nearly can detect 360 degrees um, around um, the robot. And we can process this information to do localization and reconstruction of the environment, for example. You're in good company. We know that Elon Musk over at Tesla has been saying that all his smart driving cars need are cameras as well. Yeah, that's true. So Elon Musk is definitely right that um, cameras could be um, used without additional sensors for perceiving the environment. But it's still a research topic and we have to solve a lot of problems to achieve the accuracy we need for, for example, relying only on cameras. A lot of these site systems, though, also use laser radar to bounce beams off objects to determine their distance and composition. Why don't you use LIDAR? The main reason we don't use LIDAR is that we want to have a very simple system with not much overhead. And LIDARs are currently relatively large um, sensors in comparison to cameras. And they are relatively complex. So they rotating all the time. They are, have moving um, parts. They are relatively expensive. They need a lot of energy. And we want to focus on a small agents like cameras or even drones, which don't always have a LiDAR. And in addition, we want to support as many um, objects or agents or clients as possible. Therefore, we don't want really to rely on LiDAR. I mean, we can still support it. So if a LiDAR is available, it definitely helps to reconstruct, for example, the environment or to do also localization. But the camera already gives us enough accuracy for localization. 
I guess, you know, with cameras, you have more than one camera. It's kind of like binocular eyes. You can create depth of field and have a sense of three dimensions just using the cameras. So you don't need all that extra bulk. Exactly. But with these stereo cameras or depth cameras, the problem, main problem is always that there's a limited field of view. So this is like a huge advantage of LIDARs that they have like this 360 degree field of view. But drones are relatively dynamic and we can just by moving these cameras into the right positions, we can also cover almost all of the environment. I have to say, though, as a Canadian, my biggest concern would be that you'd get snow on the cameras and you wouldn't be able to see where you were going. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But in indoor, normally there's no um, snow. <laughs> the camera, though, that's really only the first step in truly making a robot autonomous. You're going to have to process those images, too, right? Exactly. Yeah. Even if you have the camera images, the main prop or the main part is to process these images and get the information out of the images. And therefore we follow a remote um, approach where we offload the heavy computational stuff from the agents to, a, for example, an edge cloud. Since I already explained, we want to focus on um, small um, opt agents and they don't have the resources which we need to process these images. Right. I guess the idea is that whether an AMR is small or large, you want to offload that processing of the visual images to something that can handle it for an artificial intelligence-based system. That's where Edge Cloud comes in. I can imagine as well, this is why 5G is an excellent technology for that, because you need to do all of this in virtually real time. Yes, especially if you want to support multiple agents simultaneously in a very constrained environment, then it should run in real time. And there's for 5G with its very low latency, it's very helpful in our case. We can support then five or six agents, autonomous uh, mobile robots simultaneously, and they all offload their image data, or even they can also perform some future extraction on board and then process or transmit the and process data, but the main burden still lies on the edge cloud. And if you've got multiple AMRs connected to an edge cloud, then I can imagine you're using existing mapping technology, but you're also able to update those maps in real time. And you're essentially crowdsourcing those map updates amongst all the robots that are working within that edge cloud. Exactly. Yeah, those, this is like a very big advantage of a centralized approach, which we follow where every robot communicates with a single or with a edge, single edge cloud or the near next edge cloud and provides its information to the server where we do the whole mapping um, of the environment, which is necessary, for example, for the robots to navigate or for localization. And this data then is also made, of course, available to the other robots so they can, for example, avoid obstacles which are occurring, which are very dynamic as well. Right. I can imagine many factory floors might be somewhat sterile and static in their environment. But every once in a while, somebody's going to knock a box onto a floor and you're going to have to be able to move around it. Exactly. Exactly. And even if there are some workers um, running around, they, this is very critical in terms of autonomous um, mobile robots that they know exactly where the humans are so they can avoid touching or running them over. 
I can imagine, though, this isn't just for the factory floor or inside mm. office buildings. This technology can be applied to the outside world? Yes, of course. For example, on autonomous driving, nearly every autonomous firm is currently um, pursuing this technology that they build up a map, a very detailed map of the environment, for example, from a city. So they can use this map for navigation of their autonomous um, cars and know exactly if there are some new construction sites or some problems um, on the roads. Currently, my GPS system crowdsources things like that, but it requires me to hit a button as I'm driving past the construction site to tell that GPS system that there's now a construction site there. Mm -hmm. You're suggesting that these types of technologies will become autonomous themselves. Exactly. So in the future, or even now, every car is equipped with cameras and they can autonomously the data from the from the driving around the city upload that to uh, the to the digital twin and the digital twin can then update the map accordingly to the new data which were sent the point of digital twins is is quite well received the understanding of an environment by twinning it gives us a whole host of new capabilities and functionalities give me an example or some ideas as to what the benefit is of a digital twin whether it be on a city street or on a factory floor so the, uh, the main idea between behind the stage twin is that you have like exact copy where you can then monitor, for example, in a factory environment, the machines have a inventory of everything lying around. You know exactly the state of your machines and also what's going on in real time in the real world is also reflected in the digital twin. So for example, the robots which are running or the autonomous cars in a city environment, you always know exactly where they are. And this is also where our technology or my studies are sitting. Since we want to localize every agent based on the cameras, we upload this to the Edge Cloud and there we reconstruct the environment in real time, update the environment in real time. So we kind of build up digital twin on the Edge Cloud and use this digital twin then also for localizing other agents, for example, based on camera images. So again, this comes back to the idea that you're crowdsourcing real-time map updates to ensure that all these AMRs are working in concert. Exactly. Yeah, this is very critical, especially for digital twins, because you cannot just create a digital twin um, and then rely on that, that it will never change. Right. There's no point in having a digital twin if you're in a dynamic environment and you're not updating that. Exactly. What are other use cases that, that you'll find as a result of, of this research for things like digital twins through AMR? It seems to me that this is a building block type technology that you're working on, that we can build a whole bunch of new things based around these simple ideas. Mm, yes. So, for example, everyone could use this with their smartphone. They could scan their environment, build a 3D model of their house or of their, their garden, and then use this model for planning its own yeah, layout or checking how the furniture would look like. And also for their own, maybe in the future, robots, which will, for example, help them 
if they get old. <laughs> well, it's funny you bring that up because I was talking to my daughter about uh, a conversation you and I recently had, and uh, she's a big Star Wars fan. Mm -hmm. And in all those Star Wars movies, there are tiny little robots running around the Death Star. And we always wondered, what on earth would be the value of those tiny little four-wheeled robots? Maybe in a galaxy far, far away, they're doing the job you're describing right now, which is mapping in real time a changing environment. Exactly. And helping, cleaning. So what are some of the applications for the metaverse? For the metaverse, you need either uh, augmented reality glasses or virtual reality um, glasses. And both of them also need localization because if you want to, for example, walk around in your office, and this office is projected into the metaverse, you want to have a very precise localization of your position and what are you doing and what's your viewing angle. Here the technology could also apply it, for example. Every augmented reality glasses has cameras on it. So we can use these cameras, mapping and localization of the environment, then project the whole office, for example, into the metaverse or project 3D objects into the augmented reality glasses which then the user can see. And again, back to the idea of using the edge cloud and 5G to do the heavy lifting on the processing of that, you're not going to want to put a full-fledged computer on your head every time you want to use a pair of augmented reality glasses. That's true, yes. Also here, a very low latency network, because this is very time critical to have a post-estimation, because if it's not the case, the user will get very sick very soon. <laughs> Because of the motion sickness, if the motion of the virtual part is not working um, together with the virtual part, then we have this problem that the user gets sick and we want to avoid this and therefore also this has to run in real time. So we have to offload the post estimations and the um, processing of the images uh, onto the edge cloud. Yeah, back in the early days of the current generation of VR, what made it possible was the chips that could handle real-time positioning and micro-movements that would allow the computers to also project the image into your eyeballs in virtual real-time so that you wouldn't get that, that VR sickness. This sounds like another one of those foundational technologies for that next-generation leap in augmented reality, where it's important important that not only does it know where our head is moving, but has the speed to process it and then project an augmented component on top of the real world. Exactly, yes. And normally you have don't have six degree of freedoms, but only three degree of freedoms for the rather old <laughs> post estimations. And in this case, you can really walk around and you can track yourself for the metaverse instead of just moving your head around and getting different views. The early version of Pokemon Go was an example of uh, first-generation AR, but the problem was, was the Pokemon would walk in front of things that should be walking behind. Your technology will give us the ability to understand in 3D where an object should be occluded so that it's behind an object, not hovering in front of it. Exactly. And if you move, for example, the app also knows that you are moving and the projected object will be moving in your scene. So you could, for example, go behind it and, and view it from a different angle and instead of just moving it around. 
After this podcast, learn more about this and other insightful topics by going to nokia.com slash real conversations. There you'll find additional information linked to today's podcast. Nokia's Tech Vision 2030 sees digital physical fusion as one of the major drivers for advanced networking. By 2030, how far advanced will this technology be? Yeah, in 2030, it will be very far. So because the pressure from the autonomous driving firms and technology, they already pushing this um, very fast because they need it for the, um, yeah, so they can use it in cities or highways. It will be doable to that everyone can, for example, create a digital twin and map its own environment, which is currently also possible, but in a way that the accuracy also can be used, for example, for tracking um, AR and VR um, glasses. Let's revisit what the implications are for the telecom industry, for the CSPs. Where do you see 5G fitting into giving AMRs the gift of sight? 5G is critical because we need this latency, um, critical speed of 5G that we can offload or transmit information between the autonomous mobile robots and the edge cloud. And for all types of computational things like mapping, object detection, image segmentation, therefore it's very critical. And with the growing numbers of robots and clients, or for example, also smartphones, it will be a, it's a very scalable problem to support everyone if they have to use this computational performance of the edge cloud. I've always believed that we don't get big leaps in technology by just one advance. It's the coming together of multiple technologies. And it sounds like in this case, we're talking about cameras 5G and Edge Cloud giving us a whole new opportunity to open up a whole new world. Yeah, that's true. This combination really well, best of three worlds <laughs> in this case, um, because the cameras, they are very good sensors in terms of providing us with enough information. But we need a lot of computational effort to um, process these images. And the Edge Cloud exactly provides us with that. We have enough computational effort, we can put a lot of processing power into the edge cloud. And then the 5G network can connect these both entities together with a very low latency. So the user will not even know that the whole computational effort was not on his own device. It will be very cool in the future that everyone will be able to use this. The Real Conversations podcast by Nokia, building a future that's sustainable, productive and inclusive together. Discover how by visiting nokia.com slash no boundaries.